0: Welcome to the I'm Possible podcast. My name is Simon Drew and I am your host as we delve deep into the lives of my wonderful individual and unique guests. With a series of direct questions, my intention is to bring a deeper understanding of how humans learn to first survive and then thrive in this lifetime. My guests will be invited to reflect on their journeys so far and the keys to their own growth and the best and worst of experiences. Please join me as we explore together the I'm possible life. Today, I'll be talking with Yvonne de S. Yvonne, like myself, has spent much of her life searching for answers. Predominantly, the answers she sought were in reference to her seemingly never-ending exposure to people who she could not trust, could not rely on, could not feel safe with. My own experiences in life have been extremely similar and leaving this mostly unedited, I hope you will identify with and see how despite such vast evidence to the contrary, a person can move beyond their limiting understanding of who they are in the most profound and extraordinary way. The first half of this two-part podcast focuses on her journey of self-realization to date. Also following our initial podcast recording, we both decided it would be worthwhile to give some additional insight as a brief introduction to this extended conversation. We felt it worthy of introduction on a broader scale so that the listener can be prepared to process the details and journey Yvonne has taken. Our intention is to lay the foundation for a more grounded listening experience within the context and understanding of the nature of a life lived within pattern-driven relationships with others as well as oneself. So the first several minutes today will be in the form of a broader introduction conversation to this way of experiencing life. Here is the first half of my extended conversation with Yvonne S.
1: I know a lot of people that have spent a lot of time and money and energy on things that didn't work. I did. And, and I was so close to giving up because I had spent, and that's what I come across uh, mul- multiple times is people that don't even want to try anymore because there was so much BS out there. There are, there are these people with, bad intentions, or it's really expensive, or, you know, whatever it is, the excuses people have that are preventing them from being open to listening and learning. I wanted them, I, I, my story is me being open to listening and learning, and yet still being in these patterns, because I kept believing that these things that said they would do the thing and didn't do the thing. And, and it was frustrating, you know, it's frustrating and it can, I mean, I'm 46, you know, it can be, I can see where people, I I, I get where people are at and how, you know, I went through all these things and I tried so many things and And to to finally come across that one thing that just changed my life so drastically and so quickly. um, And then completely turn my life around like that. And that's what I want people to grasp is look at all these things, look at these patterns of, you know, uh, guilt and shame and expectation and judgment and um, you know, not feeling good enough and worthlessness and, you know, uh, the obligation and being told what was true and real for me and just all these things that a lot of people are dealing with and how it can mess with our head so much and get us stuck in our head that we forget we have the answers. And by this method, what was to me the most profound about this method as opposed to all the other things that I've ever done Is it simple and it helped me find the truth without not, I don't want to say not listening to others, but just no resonating, knowing that, knowing what applied to me and what didn't and what was a pattern in someone else, because trusting ourselves is so key to, because you know, we're each on our own journey, so nobody can tell us what the truth is for us. You
0: know, this is where, this is where the, um, the, the saying, and this used to drive me bananas for many years, the answer is within you.
1: right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, no, exactly. Well, and, and how important is that? Because what are, what filter or what lens are we seeing through? Most people are seeing through those unconscious patterns, the lenses, of the, of the patterns that we were taught and told what was real and true for us. And so how important is it for us and our journey and our path and our happiness and our inner peace to discover the truth of us, to learn to trust ourselves and, yes, listen to other perspectives. Yes, tr- try different things. Doesn't make it the thing. You know, m- make sure to stay open, Make sh- realize that our reality is talking to us. It's us talking to us in our reality. So whatever we are attracting, whatever experiences that we are attracting into our reality is us talking to us. Hmm. So what are we saying to ourselves by what's in our reality? And that's what I came to realize. I was able to communicate with myself by just paying attention to what I was attracting. Because the universe think, is responding to our vibration, right?
0: Yeah, and what and what what this is specifically saying to anybody who's listening to this, I'm going to use this material. Yes, <laughs> <is laughs> when you listen to yourself, when you feel yourself, your own sensory feedback, your physical feedback in a given situation, which could be stressful, it could be joyful, it could be playful, it could be dynamic, you could be moving around, you could be in a sport, playing a sport, you could be doing anything. But when you are aware of something that feels a little bit uncomfortable or offers up a different sensation to normality or you just become, you just notice something that you're noticing, It this, the method we're talking about, allows you to see that you are a collection of filters yourself is a collection of filters through your own idea of who you are through your identity through what you've been through you've developed their identity through what you've been and been through and experienced in your life that doesn't mean a, that sorry it does mean that if you are not aware of noticing yourself you're going to be at the whim of those feelings and sensations and have a level of lack of control. But when you notice what you're doing and you see them through the lens of the the things that you've experienced, the ideas and thoughts you have about yourselves, the beliefs you have, you then can create a choice around things because you don't Absolutely. have to believe your experience of life. You can create oh a new gold. Way of being. <laughs>
1: yes, that is gold. Everything you just said is gold yeah, right there. Yeah, That's yeah, it. And yeah. because because what are we? We are the sum of our choices. So how much is seeing through the lens that we're seeing through of these beliefs that we've been instilled in us since children, how much is that affecting our choices now, currently, presently? Mm. And, and yeah. how are we creating our reality from our present moment state of being? Yeah. So how absolutely. we're feeling, how we're thinking, what we're saying, what we're doing, the choices we're making, are they based on unconscious patterns as children that we were taught and told was real and true for us, or are they based on who we really are and, and, yeah. and through a clearer lens? So what this does is clear the lens of perception so that we can see the truth of who we are.
0: Yeah. And what I was about to say is you can create who you want to be right now. (laughs) Yep. I choose, this is who I am now. And then whatever's happening right now, I'm gonna, I'm this, this is me right now. Yes. Yeah. I am. I am.
1: Fill in the blank.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I do X. I am X. Yes. Yes. I'm being this or that. I
1: have this and and the now language too, you know, the present, you know, you'll see it everywhere. And and quantum, this is where the quantum physics and, and mechanics and stuff is really cool and proves this stuff is that the past and present, the past is no longer exists. It was lessons. How we feel about it now is the only reason it would still be affecting us how we mm-hmm. feel about it. So how yeah. are we subconsciously, unconsciously feeling about our past stories? And that's what blew my mind when I started doing this method was that it helped me. It, it made, you know, how uh, Carl Jung said, you know, if, if you don't make the, if you, let's see, how does he say it? Unless you make the unconscious conscience, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Mm. so this is bringing those unconscious stories that those those learned beliefs those core beliefs that were taught and told as children that we just accept as truth from an a trusted authority figure which you know is just how innately that we are so we mm. and then and then our reticular activating system is keeping us focused on that which is typically what we don't want mm. And then we wonder why our life is the way it is. And so that's why I wanted to get into depth with the story, you know, with my story was because look at how much those core beliefs I was brought up with, the the learned behavior I was taught from trusted authority figures, how it was keeping me from seeing anything outside of that. Yeah and destroying my life in every way, on every level. Relationships, friendships, business, you know, family, kids, parents, whatever.
0: Please paint a backdrop of your early life up to adulthood. The wheres, who's, whats, and hows of your upbringing's key events and situations until you fled the nest, so to speak.
1: I want to preface this with that I am actually grateful for my experiences now, and and I ha- I do not fault anyone any longer. It, it obviously at the time, uh, it was both parents were pretty abusive in their own way. I realized now they were in patterns and were just doing what they knew with what they were taught, you know, and at the same time until I came to that realization, it was almost a daily occurrence of name calling or physical abuse or manipulation, uh, judgment, you know, something. Um, so there was a lot of and coming from both parents made it obviously more difficult because i didn't know who i could trust i was very betrayed um from some sexual abuse that happened and i was blamed for it by my mother so to not have anyone that i trusted or felt i could go to as i got older we grew, I grew up at Jehovah's Witness and as I got older, you know, going to these meetings, church, whatever, and being told about God and love and, and things like that. And then yet enduring so much abuse at home. When I got older, I believed, okay, I'll go to the elders. I thought they would help me because I was just looking for some kind of escape or at least somebody that would help me figure out like what is going on. So a reprieve uh, from the abuse, because to, to go through that from such a young age, you know, to when I left the house was, I, I'm honestly amazed I'm here. And so as I got older and I attempted to go to the elders, my parents had told them, she's a rebellious teenager. She doesn't listen. You know, she's disrespectful. Um, all these labels that they were giving me. And then on top of that, the expectation of being perfect for appearance sake, you know, perfect children obey, obey and be perfect, uh, in, in whatever. So, so growing up like that, I mean, in high school, um, just real quiet. I know a lot of my friends now would be like, really? Um, I was very shy and quiet. I kept to myself and just, just really at a young age, seeing the hypocrisy of my parents and, and, you know, from going to, to church and then at home having that abuse, it was like, what's going on? So from a young age, I was like, what is going on? Like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't resonate. So, and at 12, you know, I was considered the rebellious teenager because at that age and from that point on, uh, I would ask questions and it was triggering them because it was exposing the hypocrisy. And so then it was, you know, don't question And, uh, and I'm your, because I'm your mom or because I'm your dad, or because the Bible says this, you know, the Bible was used as a weapon as opposed to a teaching tool. And so, you know, feel, and then told, this is the truth, you know, this is, you got to do this and don't look outside of this or you'll be punished by God, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, and especially, you know, the end of the world and you've got to talk to everybody else and share this message, even as children being drug door to door to warn people about the apocalypse and last days and things like that. So it was this like constant sense of, oh my God, oh my God, you know, and and to be raised that way. And then um in high school, I did really good at marketing and accounting. And so my teacher wanted to meet with my mom about a scholarship. Well, she, of course, there to him, it was like, oh, that's so great. You know, and then at home, when I got the scholarship, she tore it up and said, you need to be a pioneer, which means dedicate my life to going door to door and telling people about God and warning them about the last days and, this and that and that, you know, Jehovah is the only true God and, this, you know, all these things. So all the way. Through my childhood to adulthood there was that programming there was that you know on top of the hypocrisy of the in the abuse and then going to the elders and they turn around and tell my parents what I said and did so that made it worse so then I really didn't feel like I had anybody I could go to so it was interesting because you know where I got that <laughs> willpower and and fortitude and stubbornness in a way to it was it was i kind of had them i developed the mentality of well i'm going to get in trouble anyway for something you know i was getting blamed for things i didn't do and so it was like well if i'm going to get in trouble i might as well at least make it worth my while <laughs> It, yeah, yeah, you know, I can, can tell get that, yeah. tell it it's like yeah. okay, well, I'm just gonna tell you like this is BS. So, WTF? You know? <laughs> so it it you know it didn't help getting punished at the same time. it was like, I was getting punished anyway for stuff I wasn't even doing. So what the heck? Well, um, it was
0: normalized to be punished by the sounds of it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was normalized exactly.
1: to be chastised the whole time. That was so, just yeah. the norm. Exactly. And so as I got to be, so obviously having my scholarship tore up, um, graduating high school, I didn't know what to do. I was told to be a pioneer and stuff, but I wanted to make money and get the heck out of the house. So my (laughs) first job I met, Yeah. right? Like, (laughs) get me out of here. Um, so my first job was at Walmart overnight you know, just a labor job. And I actually enjoyed it because it was overnight. It was before they were 24 hours. We were allowed to play music in our department. And so I had time to just be in thoughts and, and ponder things. And and at the time it was more like, how do I escape this? (laughs) And I met this guy, um, who treated me, really it showered me with gifts, was just flooding me with attention and super nice to me. And so I thought, oh, wow, he must love me. And, oh, my God, this is love. Okay, this is what love is. And so uh, left there, some stuff happened and at uh, the work. And so left there, and we ended up moving to mid-Missouri, uh, where he grew up. And so it was an opportunity for me to get the fuck out of my house and escape i thought escape that abuse from home so so we're together it was probably maybe a year and things were okay he you know again being the norm that i grew up in the the abuse the control the manipulation it was what i was familiar it was what was familiar. It was what I was used to. So I didn't really see it as abuse at the time. Well, then probably a year or so in, I started, you know, the control, I started to stand up for myself more. I started to get tired of certain things, the controlling behavior and his, you know, his attitude changed you know, the love bombing that happens first. And then all of a sudden they flip a switch when they feel like they've got you where they want you, then you flip a switch or they flip a switch. And, and I felt trapped because growing up at Jehovah's witness, once you leave that religion, you're out. Nobody will talk to you. Nobody will have anything to do with you. All I knew there was his friends, his family. So I felt trapped and I ended up staying in that relationship for eight years and had two kids with him, two boys, constantly told I was a terrible mother because I didn't want him to have sugar. I was trying to help them eat healthy. I, you know, was wanting to be a good mom to my kids that I didn't have growing up. And so, but, you know, being punished for that by, by his family. Oh, well, it's just this. And it's just that, you know, knowing that like intuitively at the time, knowing that was not good for them and wanted them not to get used to eating that stuff in the first place. Cause you don't miss what you've never had. Right. It's so that, that was my a, thinking at the big time. Big as well. yeah. yeah. And so, so that constant abuse started with this being a terrible mom program and, uh and then just, being made to feel like worthless and like I had, you know, like I needed to do things their way cause my way was, you know, wrong or bad or whatever. So, and then of course questioning, you know, never question them, <laughs> you know, get, unless you want to get more punished. And, and so I got driven to drink and, and part I partied, I just anything to escape that and feel good and numb myself from feeling like I just what was the point what was the point it was like this or or just off myself because I didn't see any other way out and so I started drinking and uh and it was more of a so I stayed home with the kids and It was a small town, so it was difficult to find work at the time for me, and especially how much daycare was. It was like by the time you paid daycare, it was if I took my salary that I would have made anyway. So I stayed home with the kids. Well, he started to take advantage and leaving me with them all the time, which wasn't a bad thing. It was just I could see what he was doing. He was escaping his responsibility and um and there was just so much stress and so much abuse there so i started going out i'd be like okay when he'd get home i'd be like i'm going out and i'm going to do something i want to do because you know being home with any stay at home mom will tell you like just because you're not getting paid for it it's a full time job and and i wanted to have the bandwidth to be able to be continue to be a good mom to them and not take it out on them that my life was chaos. So so I'd go out and leave him with the kids. Well, of course, then he'd use that against me. Like, you know, I was such a terrible mom, so I was going out and partying and this and that. And so just that kind of thing. And so I finally we were living in these apartments. I went out with a girlfriend one time one night and I was getting attention from other men. Cause mind you, I felt so ugly. The, I, I miss school. Sometimes I couldn't leave the house. You know, it was crippling that I felt so ugly. Uh The dysmorphic disorder kind of thing. And so when I went out with my girlfriend and I was getting these, this attention from guys, I was like, Oh, I do have options. Oh, I am attractive to other men. Oh, he's not the only person on the planet that." you know, that I that will love me or potentially whatever. So I started to build a little bit of confidence to feel like I could get out of that situation. Well, I remember calling my mom, this was before my second son, I remember calling my mom. And I was just like, you know what? I'll I'll do the right thing. Just let me come home. I'll be good. And so I call my mom, I was pregnant with my first son at the time. And I said, Hey, you know, I'd like to come back home. Well, my mom was like, well, you made your bed. You can lie in it. And so it was like, okay, great. Well, my ex, they were trying to get me to put him up for adoption. And I was mortified because I didn't want to give him up for adoption. But it was like, how do I do this on my own? You know, I have no way of providing for him. So long story short, his mom, my ex's mom saved me from doing that, she's like, you're, she's not getting rid of the baby. So they helped, his parents helped me out, uh, to have, to help me with getting on my feet, with getting stuff for, for Nick. And, uh, and so we ended up keeping him and it, I mean, it was just from there, it was just about then, oh, so then I tried leaving my my parents, my, and then I asked my parents again after having him, after having him, he was, uh, maybe a year old. I wanted to leave again because I was so sick of the abuse from my ex that, um, I was like, okay, I just stay at home and get my own place. So I asked him again and my dad was like, well, if you want to come back, you have to beg. So I begged and, and I went back home. Um, then it was, you need to cut him and his family off if you want to stay here or, or kick you out or I'm going to kick you out. So I was like, well, they're the reason I was able to keep him. Mom said, if you want to make, I tried reaching out to you guys before having him. You didn't help me. So I'm not going to cut him off from the people that helped me be able to keep him and have been good to him. And so that's when I was like, okay, let me get an apartment. I, you know, I was trying to save money. So it was like, fine, I'll just move out sooner than I expected. Got my place furnished. And then at 25, uh, Nick was about a year old. I was getting sick. I was really getting sick and, and my energy was just nil. And I had gone to the doctor and discovered that I had, um, like pre cancer, uh, that they discovered. And so my ex came and got Nick to take him back with him because I was. My mom wouldn't help me, uh, with daycare. I was working like four in the morning until whenever it was hard to find somebody that would watch him those hours. So he came and took him. I was working, had my own place. So I got, I had four days on, three days off. So I was like, okay, I want to come see Nick on my days off for the three days and, you know, just spend time with him because he lived a couple hours away at the time. So he came and picked me up because I couldn't drive. And went and spent a few days with them. I didn't want to talk to my parents because obviously he was trying to kick me out because I wouldn't cut them off. So it, was, it wasn't like that was going to go well. So I called my sister, my younger sister, and I said, I'll be back in a few days. Um, let mom and dad know that where I'm at and that I'll be back. Well, she told them that I went back to him. So they end up, I come back and my truck was missing, and I get into my apartment, and my everything in my apartment was gone. What? And, yeah. And so I, w- I was like, what? I tried calling the police. When they investigated what happened, they said, well, it's your family. It's a family matter, civil case. You'll have to go to civil court. We can't press charges. So I was like, screw that. I ended up going back with my ex. And then I, you know, again, I just felt trapped. So I had my second son with him, uh, just felt things were going better. Well, came across a Brian Tracy book, uh, Maximum Achievement. I was trying to get my hands on anything to figure out what was happening, why this was happening. And it was interesting because, especially growing up in the religion that I did, it was a book and it was talking about positive thinking and energy and, you know, it was a sales book. And it was also impacting, you know, talking about how it can impact our personal life. So I was like, I'm going to try that. I'm going to see, you know, that made sense to me. So I started doing better about being more positive and um you know drawing more boundaries and things well of course my ex didn't like that he started getting physically abusive more so in front of the kids as well um i at the time chatting was a big thing on the internet the internet had just come out
0: oh internet chat like yahoo chat or
1: <laughs> yes that's exactly what i was on and uh yahoo 20s you know and i wasn't looking for a guy it was just more an escape from the hell I was in. It was talking with people well. from totally totally distracting myself. Well, came across this guy who was who I was chatting with and we were laughing. I was finally laughing and enjoying myself for once. And so he was from San Diego and chatted for probably a couple months. He was like, "I want to come see you." So he flew out to Missouri to see me and we ended up spending the weekend together and got along really well. Well, another couple months later of chatting some more talking on the phone, he was like, um, my ex, now it's funny, hindsight is hilarious looking back now because at the time my ex was, you know, here I am sick, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with, you know, this cancer and and that and then nobody wanting to believe me because obviously then that would mean they being mean to me would make them look bad. So, um, so he was like, you have two weeks to get out. It was, it was at the t- at the time I didn't know this, but it was basically a, you need to comply and do what I say or you're out. And that wasn't going to happen. So I was like, okay. I'll find a place. So I was looking at homeless shelters and women's shelters and things and everything was full. And so my, the guy I was talking to Dave, he said, um, I told him, I said, I may not have access to the internet much longer. And so, you know, I just wanted to let you know, I may be leaving. And he was like, what, what happened? And I told him, he said, come out here. I'll help you get on your feet. And, um, you know, and then, Whatever, you know, it wasn't anything dating. It was just, he was like, let me help Safety. you out. Let me get you out. Yeah. So he lived in San Diego. So it was like, nice. <laughs> get me out of Missouri. Um, so ended up going to, took the bus to San Diego. Um, Wasn't able to bring my kids. I was like, you know what? I'll get settled there. Then I'll get the kids and, you know, bring them back out there with me. Get a job, get things going, and then I'll bring them out. Um, little did I know, he didn't tell me he was going he did tell me he was going through a divorce, but he didn't tell me he was living with his parents. And so <laughs> beautiful house. I mean it was a huge, beautiful house in, in a beautiful area, but it was a whole nother dynamic. So I moved there and and it was great. I mean, overall, at first his parents were great and uh and were okay with me being there and stuff. Well the kid and, and My ex was actually being pretty nice about getting the kids. You know, they were still, they weren't old enough to be in school yet, so I'd get them pretty frequently, and Dave was kind enough to fly me out there or fly them out to uh, San Diego and spend a lot of time with them, considering it was, you know, out of state. So about a year later, we ended up dating, got married, and were together 12 years. Then after 12 years and a whole lot of my patterns and PTSD and, uh, his, my ex met a girl and we had this amicable relationship. Well, when she met me, I don't know if it was an insecurity on her part or what, but it was all of a sudden this all out attack on me convinced my ex to file for cust- uh, for file for custody of the kids. Cause we had made an arrangement, amicable arrangement outside of the courts. Well then she comes along and is trying to get him to sue custody and have me declared an unfit mother and this psychologist what, a behavioral therapist not just. Um, had me declare wanted to have me declared an unfit mother so that they would win in court. That's a whole other podcast, probably that story with my kids and my ex.
0: Just keeps going, doesn't it? This one.
1: Oh my! I mean, it's nonstop. It was not, and this is why, and this is why I am so passionate about helping people because I get it. I get it. I went through a lot of stuff and I get how difficult, you know, just the constant stress, the constant pressure, the constant, you know, just what do I do? Where do I go? How do I, and so that was a whole other battle on its own. Um, 12 years with my ex-husband, he, he really, overall, he was a good husband. He was a great father to the kids. Um, we did a lot of stuff with them when we had them, you know, hiking and boogie boarding at the beach. And of course, San Diego, you got world and Six Flags, you know, we did uh, Disneyland. We did all the things with them camping and Yosemite and really did the best we could to spend quality time with them when we had them. And, you know, cause again, I wanted to make sure I wasn't making the same mistakes with my parents. Well, then my ex's father, tried to rape me, and that just you know i was I was really feeling like I was having peace and i was I started school uh for a holistic health practitioner in uh, San Diego and was learning you know about energy and um just all kinds of different nutrition muscle kinesiology anatomy just all the physiology pathology all the thing all the ologies <laughs> learn about. And then also about energy too, actually, and the body mind connection. So it was really interesting to learn those things. And so I was really doing good and, you know, getting going to school, be able to establish, you know, myself so that I could provide for me and the kids. And then that happened. And it was like when I, when it hit me, what he was doing, it was very calculating. And 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 I was like backing away and I literally no kidding left my body. And it was like I was looking down on myself like this isn't happening. And so I'm I'm backing up because I'm just like, What is he really doing this? And and ended up running out of the house. And when I went to tell my husband, he was he the thing with him, he did not communicate at all. I, I would sense some things and I would try to ask him about it because I was always willing to work on myself or apologize. I realized there was behaviors I had that were unhealthy. I just didn't, you know, it's being aware of what. And so I would ask him, I was like, "If is there something? I said, you know, you can stand up to me. You don't have to agree with me or t- say yes to pacify me all the time. I was like, just, Communicate because I don't know, and yeah. I, I don't know why he didn't communicate, but he just bottled everything up. And so, when that happened, it was like he snapped and put on. I mean, just even my son, my oldest son, noticed it. He's like, Is Dave okay? Seems like he's gonna snap. I was like, I, You know, we're okay. At the time, I was like, Oh, we're okay. You know, we're just having, you know, trying to figure things out. Well, then I was out of town visiting the kids uh, in Missouri. And I, he talked to him the night before I was coming back. He said he loved me. And I was like, you know, I really do want you to be happy. And, um, and he said he loved me. And we had this conversation and then I go back. He was gone. He changed his number. He wrote me an email and moved out while I was out of town. So I was like, "What the fuck? I'm going back to an empty place." I we were living in Mexico at the time, Baja. Uh, I was like, "What is happening? Like, what? I, you know." So I'm emailing him because he changed his number and all this stuff. I'm like, "What is?" And and of course it was just this, you, this, you, you know, it was all my fault. Everything was my fault. So just constant, you know, my ex, everything was my fault. Growing up, everything was my fault. So just feeling like a worthless piece of shit, basically. Bad mother, this and that. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I, it took me a few months. I, I was a Jehovah's Witness at the time still. Um, I had left for a while done a lot of research, a lot of research of cultures, religion, you know, just Eastern philosophy and energy. And, you know, I'd done Kung Fu and was able to do things that were, you know, see I'd never thought people could do, you know, cause being, you know, we're just, we're just these imperfect humans, right. That can't do anything. We have to look to somebody else to be capable of anything. So. I had a lot of questions, and so that happened. So fortunately, I did. I was surrounded by some good friends down there, a good support system, and that really helped make a difference in getting through that. few months after he leaves, I get a call from Child uh, Protective Services saying that my oldest was being abused by my ex's girlfriend and my ex giving a medication that wasn't prescribed to him, making him sleep in the hallway on a hardwood floor, only feeding him peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter sandwiches, that kind of stuff and I was like, great. Now what? I didn't have a car, I didn't have a job because I had stayed with the kids and my my ex-husband worked. So I I was praying. I was just like, what do I do?
0: Could I just ask one question, which is why we're in just here at the moment. Um, in terms of being, what was your, you, you said you were still, a, still being, acting as a Jehovah's Witness or, or lending yourself towards that, that thinking, and what were you actually doing around that?
1: I had left when I was with my first, act. when I left my parents initially, I left that religion and did a lot of research, and but only, you know, trying to fit things together. What they taught had made the most sense at the time, comparatively, but I was mostly looking at Christ, other Christian religions. So as far as other Christian religion, because they didn't believe in going to war, they didn't believe in politics, you know, the, which to me made sense because they were divisive. Right. And, and so it it was like, okay, that makes sense. And all these other religions were pushing, like go to war, you know, Oh, you're fighting for God. And this and that, That didn't make any sense to me. So I thought, okay, maybe this is the truth. I thought maybe it was just something with my parents. So I came back, met a group of really great people that were in that religion. So I thought, Oh, Okay, maybe this is the truth. So it was in that for a while with my ex-husband. Then got, you know, had to figure out. And in Mexico, it was great. I mean, they were great. We got together all the time. I mean, it was really a lot of fun. Just a different mentality altogether. Then going back after, um, essentially, it was like I needed to get to Missouri ASAP and figure out what was going on with this abuse thing. And try to get. Oh, part of the thing I skipped was just a brief caveat. Is while I was with my ex-husband, I had my ex had kidnapped them and kept them for me for several months, and I didn't know where they were. So, trying to get through that, figure out where they were, figure out how I was going to get them. I would, you know, and in, in the interim of all this, there was just these wild things that would happen out of nowhere. You know, kind of miraculous things like one of my friends said, have you ever tried talking to your ex to see if he'll send you the kids? I was like, are you kidding? He kidnapped them. How do you think I'm going to talk reason to this guy, you know? And at the same time, it was like, I really it was like, what else was I going to do? I didn't know where they were. So I talked to him, convinced him somehow to let me have the kids. He tried to fight a little bit. And. And then he agreed to send them to me because they had a couple of weeks left of their summer vacation and got them to, to fly them out. I was like, wow, this, that was a shocker. And, uh, so he sends them out and then I was like, that's it. I'm keeping them, you know, and I'm, you know, cause we didn't, still didn't have a, any court thing yet. So it wasn't illegal. So I was like, you want to play games? Oh, you don't screw with my kids. And so I was like, I'm going to keep them and I'm going to get custody of them. And then I, you know, so it was establishing residency in California for them so that I could file in California and he'd have to come out there to fight it. So six months, had them all six months. Things were going really well got them in school, they they were they were happy, you know, they were happy, even my my son at a young age, like I don't know, he was six or eight, he was you know, because I made him eat healthy, and he was like, wow mom, you really love us, because you make us eat healthy like he associated me having the meat healthy with love
0: oh that's lovely, isn't that? the truth as well, of course, yeah
1: so so it was good I don't know, all of a sudden I get this letter this thing in the mail something about a custody that my ex had custody of my kids from the court system I never got served anything saying that there was a court date and the next thing I know the sheriffs are showing up at my door to take my kids so I didn't answer I went and grabbed them from school and you know got them before the that they could show up and take the kids and uh ultimately it was a losing battle. Somehow he had gotten legal custody of them without my knowledge. And then it was like, great. So I had an opportunity to spend time with them and, and say goodbyes and stuff. And, and then it, you know, so that was, so he got him and that's so then, and then this abuse thing came up like several years later, and uh, that's so I ended up back in Missouri. And I thought, okay, here's an opportunity for me to get them back. Uh, I believe Nick was, yeah, Nick was a teenager at the time, and so, so I get there. Um, I didn't know anybody. They were in like St. Louis, so I didn't have any support system or know anybody there that I could get established. So in Missouri, I can, you know, my sister told me I could stay with her. And then I'll figure out a job, car, whatever. That I need to get going to establish residency there so that I could get custody of the kids. Um, so it was interesting because I get there. My friends use points on their airfare to get me out there. I sold everything I had in Mexico to get money and got to Missouri. My aunt had a car I could use for it to get to work. Um, I had a place at my sister's, and then through a temp agency, I found this amazing job that paid enough that allowed me to be able to get a place pretty quickly, get money, and make it on my own. So, you know, ended up winning custody.
0: Did you really? Wow. Well done. It's fantastic.
1: So got custody. Well. Wow. <laughs> Hold on. Well, well, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There's caveats all the way here, oh, right? There's
1: okay. more. <laughs> so, so I get custody and my son being a teenager and mind you, well, when he, when he was kidnapped, uh, my, uh, my ex had this friend that came and got him that I was supposed to meet with and he was going to drop him off. He never showed up. I On the phone, he's like, well, if you want to come meet me, then you need to come here. I said, we agreed to meet a Marietta. I said, I cannot take the car. He said, my husband's working. He needs the car back. I cannot meet you. I was further north somewhere, like an hour or two. I was like, I can't do that. He's like, sorry, kids. I guess your mom doesn't love you and hung up. And that was the last I've heard for months from them when he kidnapped them the first time they, that was the last thing they heard and that I heard him tell them before he hung up. So getting cut. So mind you, God knows what they were told when I didn't have that in that time. Yep. So I get custody of them. Nick being a teenager had met a girl back in St. Louis and I get custody. It was so new for him and different and unfamiliar. And I was doing my best to be structured, you know, have them do their chores, just clean up after themselves, be responsible, you know, trying to raise them to be accountable, responsible human beings. And of course, them getting their way and just being ignored with their dad and his girlfriend and never, you know, just left to their own devices. They weren't used to that structure. And so, and then a new school, new friends, you know, it was just, they'd been through so much. And so he, it was like, he wanted to go back to that familiar. Um, And so, and, and I felt like what happened empowered him. Oh, and then my ex left her in theory he moved out but but still was seeing her on the side because he was trying to tell the courts that he wasn't with her anymore so because he was still trying to keep custody of them, and so anyway so get a job great job i loved it it was uh still along the lines of holistic health and learned a lot great opportunity sales of these infrared saunas these really high-end infrared saunas that were Extreme amazing th- products. So I did really well because I believed in the product and got sent to a conference, bulletproof conference. And, um, they sent me by myself. I-, I had partners and like, you know, a lot of big people that requested me specifically to handle their accounts because they saw that I was genuinely wanting to, to them to have a good product. And, Really, they, uh, they just sense that genuineness in my energy, I guess, and they wanted me to be the one to go and meet with these people because it was a big account. So I go there and being around all those biohackers and just being around that energy and being away from all the other crap that I was around, you know, so I was there for the, a few days for the conference and met all kinds of just amazing people and like-minded, like-hearted. It was so great. So I was like, wow, well, <laughs> this guy walks up and he's uh, a, a uh, government contractor and he's got this human performance contract for the special forces. And he hears my wealth of knowledge and all the research that I've done and what this product does. And, and so gives me his card, and he was like, I'd like to talk to you about this contract. He's like, you seem to have what I'm looking for as far as um, knowledge and an ability to put this course together to train the special forces. So I was like, cool. Well, it took a while. There, We were emailing back and forth. My uh, company was super excited because they thought, oh, my gosh, we can get a government contract. That would be huge. Long story short, another love bomb, another sucker fall for it. You know, like, oh, he loves me. Oh, this time it's real. Right. Oh, we're like-minded. We have that same goal. Blind pan into the fire. Um, things had already been. Uh, there was a lot of this competition. St- you know, corporate America, it's like, bah. so, <laughs> so it was like this cutthroat jealousy, competitiveness, just you know people feel like, oh it's just ridiculous and and then
0: it's just generally disgusting isn't it that
1: oh it's just high school up in it's just an you're adults in high school basically it's like nobody ever outgrew high school and yeah. <laughs> and the pettiness you know it was just so ridiculous so you know and even the owner was like you know jealous it was like this love hate thing because she was jealous of how much these partners really raved about me to her at the same time, it was gold for her that I was bringing in all these big people. And uh, and uh the COO, it was just drama. It was so much drama. And so when my ex came to me with this proposition of working on a government contract, being able to research more and put together a program for them, I was like, heck yeah, okay, I'm, I'm there. Get me out of here. <laughs> Ended up in a relationship with them probably close to two years started seeing the patterns and the abuse and was like, Oh God, here we go again. Um, and then also what the, what the tipping point was was that I signed on in the first place because I, that was what I was passionate about doing. I wanted to create something that had the best, most efficient, effective and economical way for people to help them heal like really heal for mental, emotional, physical, anything I could do. So energy, frequency, vibration. So I was doing all this research on all these products that even Dave Asprey didn't hear of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and because I really did my research, you know, I saw so much crap in the marketing industry of people just saying, just lying, just yeah, to pretending. make money. Oh, and, and people were sick, you know, there was people with cancer and in the infrared, you know, an infrared helps with that not if it's not the right frequency not if it's at, not at a certain spectrum on the the light scale so these other companies were selling red light bulbs and calling it infrared and acting like that was healing cancer
0: There's way and more of i was, that out there as well that's the frustration oh thing. my There's god well see that, that was just yeah rubbish.
1: one company yeah. right one company but then you see it with everything so so i got out of that and was able to spend that two years traveling and, and, you know, met Wim Hoff and did several of his um, certificates and, you know, got to know him and stuff and, and just about breath work and ice baths and the ice water and, um, and just other things, other devices that I was learning about these sound frequency devices that were just cool stuff that we were able to travel and we go to conferences every year, you know, bulletproof and paleo effects and you know, for a year the whole time we were together. So researching, putting all this, it's like, okay, you know, I got this. Well, I knew language played a role because obviously it's vibration, frequency, and everything is sound, right? So I knew language played a role. My ex and I had done this uh program called mastery systems and Greg Braden talks about it. And it's like, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it cause I experienced it from my experience. It was the energy behind the concept was perfect. It was like, that makes a lot of sense. You know, the conscious language, the body language blew my mind that the people behind it were not genuine. It was not like he was an asshole. <laughs> I'm just going to come <laughs> out and say it. he was an asshole. And I got plenty of other people that will vouch for that. So uh, so it was like, okay, this is spending a lot of money on it at that. It was expensive, you know, 10, 10, days and stuff. So I was looking more for So I was like, okay, now I see how language really fits. They were not applying the crap that they were teaching. I'll tell you that, but, but they were, the program itself was like, that makes sense. So, I knew language played a role; it was just finding something again. my goal was efficient effective affordable and it was so here's here's where the whole mark comes into the picture and the language stuff is I finally realized my ex it was he was getting worse. we got back to d c which that energy in that area was just at the time, for me, it was like, ugh, all the government agencies everywhere. And <laughs> I was yeah, like,
0: yeah, get me out pressure of here. heavy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: And he was, and then he was trying to get me to quit working on the contract for the special forces and get me to just recruit pre- people for IT positions in his company. I was like, he was like, we need to make money and da, 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 da. I was like, that's not what I signed up for. And he was getting mad. So, and, and just becoming more abusive. And we had been, we got done doing some of the research. And, um, so we were stationary there more. And so between the energy there and his attitude and, and him trying to get me to do something Pressure that I did things, not plan up yeah. for. Yeah. I was like, mm, so I had this, I had left him once before, got in a car accident and ended up having to go back because I didn't know what else to do. Didn't have a car. Because he kept threatening me. Well, I'm going to kick you out. If you don't leave, I'm going to kick you out. If you don't do what I want, I'm going to kick you out. You know, that was kind of the theme in my life at the time from childhood to that point. A pattern. Um, and And I was like, fine. I'll just, if you want me gone, I'll go. Do not tell me that if you don't mean it. So I leave because he told me to multiple times. And then I get in a car accident and he was like, He's like, well, you know, what do you think that means? It means you weren't supposed to leave me. And I ended up <laughs> having to go back there. I was like, okay, I'm going to go back, and I'm just going to plan my escape better this time. <laughs>
0: yeah. so I'll, get a, I just, I'll get a taxi, get a cab. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was
1: like, oh, what the hell? Like, I'm just trying to get out of this shit. You know, just, um, yeah, So, so I ended up going back to him he got more controlling because I had the guts to leave. He noticed that I had the guts to leave and his shit wasn't going to work with me. So he got more controlling. And of course the intentional, um, he was supposed to pay me a salary. Well then all of a sudden that changed because he was like, well, I'm paying for your training. Well, I'm paying for this. I'm paying for this certification. I'm paying for the travel. I was like, well, if I'd known I was going to have to pay for it, at least I would have had a say in whether I wanted to get paid or do the training." That wasn't your decision to make. So of course that pissed him off because he didn't have an answer for that. <clears throat> so he would try to intentionally impoverish me so that I couldn't leave. Um, so plot my escape, long story short, plot my escape. He got physically abusive. Um, and that's when I was like, I'm I'm done, I'm out. Plan my escape. This guy I had met uh, on Facebook who was a friend, lived close by. He was really nice and, <laughs> and, uh, and so he was like, I'll come get you. And I mean, there was more to it. I'm summing it up a lot. Um, so he comes to get me cause my ex took my phone. Didn't again, didn't have a car cause it was total. Um, did, you know, barely had any money. So he came to pick me up. My ex left me at this hotel. My current business partner who I had met through my ex, um, literally middle of the night, because of this government contracting thing and my, my ex being psychotic, um, I mean, I, he, he was crazy enough that he would follow me or, or stop me or something, you know, it was that level of control. So and my, my business partner knew this. So he literally in the dark of night shows up at the hotel, like two in the morning, with a paper bag with a phone in it so that if somebody Burn. was watching they couldn't <laughs> see what he was yeah a basically <laughs> um so they could he couldn't see what he was giving me and um so that i was able to have a phone and then uh my friend picked me Can up from the hotel on?
0: yeah could, how when how how when when is this where are we now date wise
1: this was like 2015. Okay, 2015 16 cool. ish yeah. Cool.
0: yeah sorry for interrupting I just wanted to. no don't have, no no
1: had, yeah. oh no you know what it was more like 2017 I apologize it was more like 2017 I was with him too I got with him in 2015 so this was around 2017 um I go to Roanoke and this friend let me stay with him I had boxes of my stuff um not everything but I took as much as I could I was with my friend who apparently thought it was an opportunity for him to get in bed with me and wasn't going to happen. So when I wouldn't kowtow to him and his little tricks didn't work with me, then he kicked me out, at least got me a ticket to LA and, and kept, he said he would send my stuff. So I left with suitcases and he said he would send the boxes of my stuff when I got there held on to my boxes of shit for a year and a half before, I mean, it was like he was virtually raping me, trying to like just talk, uh, just talk disgusting you, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I don't need it. I don't need it. I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be fine with what I got. Keep it. Cause fuck you. So, so get to LA. Didn't, didn't know what I was going to do, didn't know where I was going to go, didn't know how I was going to make it, just needed to get away. And I thought, I'd rather be homeless than put up with anybody's shit anymore. So I get to L.A., I barely land, and a friend of mine said, well, you know, you can at least stay here a week and because uh, we were going to work together anyway on something. Amazing product that he has, brilliant guy. Um, let me stay with him. He knew a guy, lined me up with a job. They knew a lady, lined me up with a room. So I literally had a, a job and a place before I even landed in L.A. I was still, mind you, spun up. It was interesting. Well, it was interesting, though, because then it you wanted to know the catalyst of of what really hit me was, And it happened a couple times before. I just I wasn't aware. Is this the
0: big question? Shall I ask my big question right now? Oh sure, yes, go ahead. Let's do it now. Let's freestyle a bit. Okay. So, what single moment, Yvonne? What (laughs) single moment, event, or issue has produced the most impactful realization and opportunity to grow for you? Specifically, what happened, and how you moved beyond it and grew. So here, here
1: was the awareness of things that had already happened it was more i didn't the dots hadn't connected at the time of what i did to what created the event that happened so this time i was aware i i left my ex not knowing i i left believing i was going to be homeless and what was so interesting was that act what i realized was that act of self love opened a door for me to get away and, and be and like, see a door open in a situation where I felt I had no way out? So I, I had figured out hey, when I make choices for me, things happen. And I was linking that connection. So the fact that I had just left my ex, believing that I was going to be homeless, but not giving a shit because it was better than where I was all of a sudden I had, and it was the same, right? With my kids and, and with the child abuse case, I didn't, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. My ex, my husband had just left me and I had this abuse case with my kids. So it was all of a sudden I had air airfare ticket money, a car and a place. So,
0: it's like being brave enough to step in the dark, isn't it? Without knowing what's beyond that doorway or whatever, yeah, whichever.
1: Stepping into the unfamiliar and the unknown and out of self-love. Loving myself enough to realize that I didn't have to take that shit from anyone. And having the courage to get away from that, you know, because we, what are we taught? We're taught to take that crap. We're taught we have to. And then we're threatened and manipulated by those people. So then we feel trapped, right? And and scared to make that choice. Because for me anyway, I had believed I was worthless. I had believed that nothing worked out for me, that I was just this terrible, horrible mother in person, that nobody want me and this and that. So to actually make a step and believe that anything would come of it, because I had been taught I need to look outside myself because I was too stupid or uh, I didn't know anything or I didn't have resources or, you know, money or whatever. So I just constant, you know, growing up, save everybody else, fix everybody else. Don't look at yourself. Don't, you know, you're selfish if you are are making those kinds of choices.
0: So what's this? Was this the first moment you think you realised that you would, you'd been because you had been doing it? I reckon most of your life you'd wanted to step into loving yourself, haven't you? But it was never ever related to you by anybody outside of you that that was really a yeah. kind of yeah. achievable, be possible, see even existed. Was this was the click point for you in this particular event? Was it that you realised? That in doing it, it was a loving act.
1: That that act is what opened doors, and and being in a situation where I had really believed that I was going to be homeless, and to have so much provided so quickly, I was, you know, I started to link those other experiences with that event, and that's when it really clicked for me that oh. When I stand up for myself, oh, when I actually make choices for me, then things happen. So, and it was it was interesting because I had all this knowledge. I had so much knowledge and research that I had done about so many things. So it was like having that knowledge yet, you know, and getting away from my ex helped a lot to be able to have a bit more time to reflect on those things because before it was just survival mode it was like I had all this knowledge but I didn't really get an opportunity to slow down and contemplate any of yeah so when I got to LA it was pretty wild because then um, I had some friends that owned a place called the human garage amazing place by the way I highly recommend people check them out Um, human garage and I was friends with um, a guy there one of the chiropractors and the owners. And so I called them up. And that's the reason I chose LA because I had a lot of good connections with a lot of people. It was, so I felt like if I was going to have an opportunity to make it, that's where it would be. Um, so I went there and, uh, and I called them up and I said, Hey, I'm in LA. It'd be great to catch up. And I thought maybe I could get a job there. Cause even though I had a job lined up, it was, Kind of a pro, if you're it wasn't looking,
0: really if you're checking your options out, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. And I thought it would be a great environment with just these brilliant people to immerse myself in. So I called them up and they said, Hey, you know, there's going to be this event on Thursday. You should come check it out and we can catch up. Well, I was exhausted. I was, I mean, a lifetime of running and so much crap. It was like, I had to work the next day, and I was like, you know, uh, you know, yeah, I'd like to see you. Maybe I'll see him on the weekend. You know, I was like, I, I, re- I need to get rest. Well, something was like, no, you need to go. Like it was literally like this <laughs> over the head. Of, pulling, you need to yeah, go.
0: Something is pulling you towards.
1: It. Yeah, yeah, like strongly. And so I go there, and it was hilarious because I was talking to my friend and catching up with him before the event. And, you know, the screen was up and, and I didn't know what it was about. I had no clue. I didn't look into it or anything. And I said, and she's like, how's your program? Cause they had demoed the program that I'd put together and they really loved it. And so he was like, Hey, how's your program going? And this, that. And I said, it's going great. I said, the only thing that I'm have left to look for and find is on language. He goes, Oh, well that's what tonight's about. And I go, what? And I look over and there's Mark standing at the front in vocabulary. Oh, really? so yep. That's the
0: first time you met him, right? Okay. That
1: was the first time. Cool. And so then I, you know, stayed for the presentation. And when he was presenting and the things he was saying, and when I saw that it was online and I saw how affordable it was, I was like, this guy's got it figured out. And so we... um So I met with him after I was working with a project on a friend, a friend of mine, a music producer. We were setting up wellness lounges outside of big events like Sundance film festival or Sundance films and, and uh, music festivals and things like that. So, so I was like, I wanted him to get a booth. I really wanted to get him exposure. And so I spoke with him about it afterwards and I re- I remember saying like did you know the English language was created on purpose and he looks up at me he goes the English language used the way it is is, is a slave language I was like yeah he knew I think we were both shocked that we both knew that <laughs> Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. cuz that's not something yeah. a lot of people are aware of and at least not at the time so we we agreed to have lunch uh or meet for coffee at at a place um there locally that sunday so this was thursday so we met for lunch that sunday and he's like have you ever seen the cosmic giggle i was like no (laughs) so he shows me right then and there at this coffee shop the cosmic giggle and i was like that needs to be made into another documentary and make it a little more palpable for people because that says it all right there
0: let's just put this in yvonne because because for people listening they won't know what we're talking about here But uh, there's a film on YouTube called The Cosmic Giggle. Um, And I think if you search for that on its own, you'll probably find it. You might want to put Mark England as the other reference for your search. But it's a film. It's it's um, on
1: YouTube.
0: Yeah. And it's on YouTube. But it's free. It's free. You can watch it on YouTube. Mark England is one of the people that speak on there. There's various other um, teachers and people from different spheres of kind of wellness, if you like. So um, look that up because it's worth worthwhile. It's it's an interesting watch. um It's a bit out there some of it, but it's really worthwhile um watching to kind of gain an idea of what we're talking about. Certainly with reference to Mark England and the language stuff that Yvonne's relating to, and uh, we're both very much um a big big fans of and very users of about. pretty pretty much every moment of the day. I would say probably. Oh. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry about, I thought we'd put that in.
1: Yeah. No. Great. That please because. Yes. I I have watched that documentary, no joke, over a hundred times. I just quit counting. It was over a hundred times that I've seen it because it was every time I watched it, I would glean something every time, you know, cause you're in different places, you know, in your awareness as you're experiencing things. So it was like, I would glean something different and powerful. And then just literally reflected so much on things that mark would say in that just gems that when i contemplated it i would realize how deep it really was you know it's kind of like like when he says um oh my gosh i quote him all the time let's see um if you play small to protect someone else's smallness you both lose that took me a bit to realize just how much I was playing small and had been taught to play small. And then um some other things he used he would say was uh that was a big one, but then no, I can't think right now, but anyway, it, it, it really impacted me and, and I knew that that the information again was so perfect. Oh, and then he he um Gifted me a course, a, a core language upgrade course and did that. And here's where to me, I feel is important for people because the core language upgrade is very powerful, great information coming from someone who has been through so much and had CPTSD for so long and was in, you know, survival mode, you know, just couldn't shut my brain off. I, I got, I grasped that value and the importance of the course. It was the one-on-one coaching was where things shifted for me. The core language upgrade was great and it made sense and I, and I loved it. I couldn't wrap my head fully around everything until one day, a couple of years later, fast forward, you know, Mark and I had discussed and I introduced them to some friends of mine about making the second Cosmic Giggle. He introduced me to Michael, the producer. Phenomenal guy. Um, super good friend. He's amazing. And a couple of years later, I'm in India and, uh, believing this whole time, believing that I had, you know, applying these things, right? Applying things and, and feeling like I knew I had all this knowledge and I was doing my best to apply what I knew. And at the same time, having just wild stuff happening. And I'm like, what? What is there left for me to do? I don't, you know, what else do I do? Why is stuff still manifesting like this in my life when I'm applying the positive thinking? I'm applying the language and and this and that. <laughs> I Was with so long story short in India, I'd made choices that I I kept making choices that I believe were for my best interest and for that would help me have peace. I didn't even I was like I don't care about the good paying job and the white picket fence and the Americans. I just I just want peace. Just give me peace. And so I went to India believing that was going to happen. Didn't happen. Got triggered by some controlling situation that I was in. I was like, you know what? I don't know what to do anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I really don't know what to do. And I was literally on the edge of a balcony about to jump. And something said, wait, there's peace. And I was like, well, I hope it's coming soon because I can't take much more. So Literally was had to climb over the rail to get back inside because I was that close and um, was drawn, all of a sudden noticed. Oh, had some really wild experiences at the temple there, by the way. But that's a whole nother podcast. Um, so
0: we must book that in. i I'd be interested to hear about that. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: that was, that that incident happening at the temple was the catalyst for everything that happened since. So had this wild experience at the Kalkaji temple in uh in India. Really wild stuff happened. And then I was drawn to, so I was like, okay, I've got to get out of this situation I'm in. So what do I do? Drawn to, I had um, a guy account, I drawn to the this Carolyn Miss videos called Sacred Power, I believe. She's amazing. Highly recommend following her. Um Drawn to two specific episodes that were not back-to-back, it was, like, literally told, listen, watch this one and watch this one. One was about expectations, and then the other was about choices. The expectations was very interesting because here I was, had been through so much, was in an environment where, really, it was just their culture, what they were used to. And for me, it triggered the shit out of me. And I'm thinking... They should change their treatment and way they're handling me because of that. And when she talks about expectations being like, do we expect others to change uh, uh, their behavior to cater to because of what we went through? And when she said that, I was like, holy shit. I've been doing that and I didn't even know it. So then I realized, okay, I need to figure some stuff out well then the other one was about choices and it was like are we making choices based on lack based on fear based on patterns based on archetypes or based on our soul and I sat there and thought about it I was like holy shit I have been making choices based on all those other things and not based on my soul because I was taught don't listen to yourself you don't know shit
0: when you say soul, are you are you talking about using your own internal intuition as much as anything there? Yeah, yep. uh, so just to, because sometimes the phraseology sort of is a bit distracting and-
1: Perfect, ironic. yes. Thank you for clarifying that.
0: Yeah, so I would say it's the sense of it feeling like the right choice as opposed to a logical, um, oh, it needs to have X, Y, no, it just needs to feel right. Yeah, and if, if that's all about <laughs> us individually, yeah. Something will naturally because- feel right. Yeah.
1: Well, she even said now and this is where it gets in. Oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you saying?
0: Yeah, the other thing I was gonna say that is um I like you, and I really get this, is I've been heavily triggered by other people around me before as well. And and when you're in that situation and if you like high anxiety or high stress when you don't really know it, it's just normalized. Because I, right. I you know, I, I I very much relate to your story. Um, certainly my you know my childhood was a, a milder in reference it was more mental for me as a, as a stressor from my parents um, and namely my dad as opposed to my mother but I it was normalized for me to be highly strong not know it and that actually switches off your ability to be intuitive because you don't have the sense of feeling inside your body as much you just you're just actually highly nerve driven and, and very twitchy almost but it's shut down. Yeah, you're shut down. Yeah, you are actually kind of become mentally apathetic to some degree. But you are I just want to say it's just about the fact you don't feel it and you can't recognize intuition. In fact, I remember dismissing intuition several, even only five, six years ago. It, it was just something that didn't really occur to me as being valuable. I just had an anxiety feeling or yeah. not an anxiety feeling, and that was it.
1: And here, take a pill to fix it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Anyway, carry oh. on Yvonne. This is um thank you for sharing in such detail.
1: Well, and it shows it, it just shows that, you know, this is a common theme for a lot of people these days.
0: Exactly, yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: So for you to have regardless of the severities, this is something interesting that I've realized. Regardless, because people will tend to use that as some competition. Well, my past was worse than yours. Well, I had it worse than you. The effects are the
0: same. Yeah, the effects the effect it's nothing to do with the level of what we'd look as a as a person look at an event. It's not the living through the event part that's of significance other than the fact that there's a person involved who has a perspective that gets frigged around with and messed up. Yeah. You just you're just basically an organism reacting to whatever stress is around you and it doesn't matter on the severity of it because it's still impacting
1: you can have the same response the same behavior the same pattern regardless of the severity of it
0: yeah absolutely yeah
1: it's it's really some there there are what i've noticed anyway is there's some core underlying emotions that regardless of your experience all result in that same emotional like uh feeling worthy Um, you know, letting go of the shame and guilt, those kinds of things that most people have, regardless of what they've been through and the severity of it. And so, so yeah, I started to realize that, um, as I've gone through this and slow down. Um, so yeah, so it was, so what happened, what, what was interesting about watching those two shows when she got to the point, now what you brought up, which is really key that I realized in watching that show, thanks, this is something for people to really contemplate because it, it really, it happened and it was interesting is she said, sometimes, Joe Dispenza talks about this, I believe too, sometimes making choices that seem irrational, it's sometimes making those choices that other people may deem as crazy or or. Or what, not, not according to the program, right? You know, putting your trust in something that's not seen or um, is unfamiliar. And so, what was super interesting after that was being presented with two choices—well, three technically. Stay there and you know just endure where where I was. Try to. I had gotten offered a job in Vegas, uh, to manage this company and it would have been comfortable. I would have made money. I would have been able to live and survive comfortably or go stay with a friend who I had known for a while and on Facebook, but and could tell he was a good person, never met lived on a farm, an organic farm in upstate New York in a place where I didn't know how I was going to make a living. I didn't know how I was going to make it. I had programs I was working on, but I didn't know when those were going to come to fruition. So it was a risk and totally irrational when you think I could have had a job making good money and been comfortable. Sounds like a
0: crazy, it sounds like a crazy thing to do, doesn't it? To most people listening, you're going to think, well, yeah, especially after having had a life up to now, let's face it, a lot of uncomfortable, you know, Vegas might not be the most attractive place in the world. I've never been, but I I imagine living in the desert would probably do my head in personally, but I can see (laughs) mountains in the distance. But, but, But having the opportunity to be in a comfortable place with a new job, new environment, away from a stressful place where you are, or going upstate New York, which is probably a bit cold, I suspect, most of the year, or cooler on an organic farm which as soon as you said the organic farm i was i was sold personally yeah we are a particular kind of person and i think most people want the comfort and and that 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 a decent job and some theoretical future that sounds a bit more promising than living on a farm but yeah comfortable I, and familiar yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 so carry on move on let's keep going
1: yeah so exactly thank you for for highlighting that because it's that yeah, people will so many times, there were so many times I made choices that intuitively I just needed to make and and got judged so much for it and criticized and when it came to my kids too certain things. and so I meditated on it. Uh, this time I contemplated my choices and was like, because reflecting on what she just said, it was like, okay. I could be comfortable. I could get out of this hell I was in. I could I could have the money and the job and the travel and the you know manager position and this successful corporate whatever, or go to where I don't know what the hell is going to happen or if this guy is even like the last guy and another guy another guy before that you know where they're saying they're going to help me and have some agenda. So that's where it really gets interesting because something told me to go to New York and actually I was told in a meditation, I was told go to New York to finish your healing, not finish, but like, that's what it kind of what it said. Actually, it was like, finish your healing. I was like, okay. So I go there and I'm there for six weeks. I mean, obviously, you know, barely meeting the guy and, and been friends, you know, he had awesome. We'd comment on each other's posts, but, I didn't know him. He didn't really know me. He'd gone through some really, he's got some stories. Boy, has he got some stories. Amazing guy. I mean, amazing. Um, and it took me six weeks. We, the cool thing was, here was the really cool thing is that he was really into the Gaia stuff. He was into all the, the the Dao and, um, you know, conversations with God and Wayne Dyer. And so we just flooded our minds with that stuff when I was there and had these great conversations because, you know, just being able to be somewhere, well, for me, constantly being in a situation where I had to prove my worth to feel worthy, I had I wasn't valued or valuable, so I'm sitting there like, you know, oh, do you want me to do this? And I'll look for a job and I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll help around the farm and I'll clean your house and I'll. Do all these things to earn my keep and prove my worth. And he was like, relax, relax. It took six weeks of him telling me to relax.
0: <laughs> you should get out of your cycle of your own behavior. basically. Oh, yeah. uh,
1: that those were some big things. Well, here's, here's where things just really turned around was we were watching a bunch of tons of stuff on Gaia, like constantly. Then, then I showed him the cosmic giggle. There was something he said. We were watching some of the shows and we were watching the Cosmic Giggle. So, you know, that was going in the background. And then him and I were kind of talking. And he said something. I I choose to know what he said. He said something and it hit me. It it was the realization, a deep realization. He had no expectation from me of anything. Money, work, jobs. He was like, just Russ, just be. And that, just be. And, and that's when it was like this, the heavens opened up and it was like I was take, sitting at the table with him. I was here and I was there and I was told, this is who you are. This is who, and I was like, what? This, because it was the first time In my life, I had experienced unconditional love to actually know what it meant to have and be shown unconditional love. So it was a recognition of love, self-love as well as being loved by another unconditionally. And that was huge. And so I got this huge download of this is who you are. You are the creator of your world and it was like oh my god oh this oh this, this is cool oh my god oh my god I get out. <laughs> so i'm texting mark and i'm texting michael and i'm like oh my god i got the download oh my god this is so cool and so then mark and i were catching up and i was telling him about what happened <laughs> and i'm telling him how amazing i feel and telling him all this stuff i went through well one thing i hadn't told him was that i had children I couldn't talk to anybody about my children because my ex had turned them against me. My, my own family and his family turned them against me. So they weren't speaking to me. So it was hard for me to talk about my kids. Cause it, it was like, I had to just work on me if I was even going to be any kind of functional for them. So it was like, I can't do anything. I, it was not in my control. So all I could do,
0: it's the, uh, the mask coming out the ceiling on the airplane, basically, isn't it?
1: Right. Right. Exactly. You, you Great. chose yes. to,
0: to put your mask on before helping others. Yeah. And it, and, and let's be honest, when you're in so deep as you were, and, uh, I know as I was as well in my own life, um, and I'm currently still just me and my dog, you know, <laughs> and being, being happy and loving each other and, you know, sharing our space together. Um, but i know i was not somebody who even had an awareness of looking after me it may i may have come across as being selfish with my ex-wife and with other people i've been close to at times um and that was all down to a pattern of behavior that was developed when i was little and you know and it's not an excuse but it is to say that i was unaware of how i was being a lot of the time despite having done work 20 years ago and you know just like you you you're not done in one go necessarily. There's a lot to learn if, if you're really making the best you possible. There, there is a few steps to take. Yeah, and you can have those big download moments, but then there's there's work to do to 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 find a way to be the best version of yourself.
1: Layers. Yeah, there's layers to it. No, I'm gra- glad you brought that up because because that is so key that hit me somebody who knew a lot of things knew a lot of things i knew a lot of things i knew how the, i knew how the universe worked i knew how creation worked i knew how sacred geometry and symbols and all that and i knew how all that worked i knew how the body worked and mind worked and i knew <laughs> and then and then mark and then you know especially after getting that that massive awareness and download i was like oh okay, I know what to do. What? <laughs> yeah. The more you know, the more you know, you don't know. And Mark's like, so I'm talking to Mark and catching up with him. And, uh and I said, and so when I was telling him, like, I went through all this stuff, like he really didn't know my background much, you know, and I went through all this stuff. And, you know, and, and even with my kids, it's like, I found some peace knowing that, you know, I work on myself and I can have a relationship with them down the road, but at least I was able to let go of that tormenting myself. And he goes, he's like, I didn't know you had kids. And I was like, yeah, not a lot of people did because I didn't really talk about it because it was too painful. So he was like, I'm gonna coach you and you're gonna like what happens. <laughs> Little did I know how deep that rabbit hole was gonna go. And so we set up to do a session and I was feeling amazing. So I'm like, Okay, cool, you know, I feel great, but hey, yeah, if you want to coach me, then I'll I'll check it out. I'll see what it's yeah.
0: about. How many minutes did it take to remember <laughs> for him to get in there? <laughs> I mean we both know like 5
1: minutes well. in I yeah, was exactly. like <laughs> what is this? Where has this been all this time that I did all the other types of coaching that I was the popular well-known stuff that that would do the thing would do the thing that that you want it to do that you just it's like you you like I was looking for something I didn't even know what I was looking for but I was looking for something that did the thing. <laughs> and so one less than one session, one session, I felt it and noticed it and was like, there's something to this. And, and it was like, I found what I was looking for. And in just one session and, um, then mind you doing another session, I, after doing multiple sessions and releasing each time more and more permanently, Releasing it. Not just, oh, I feel better for a time and then have some crap happen later, which is what was happening with the positive thinking all the time thing. I, the positive thinking would help, but it wasn't lasting. This was lasting. And I triggered like being removed and more and more and more and this expansion and the breath and the, and I was disoriented. I was just—I thought I was losing my freaking mind with the stuff that was happening because all of a sudden that shit was gone, and I would get these messages was, and that, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm like, "What is happening?"
0: You start, and, yeah, you start to become so much more. Um, it's a, I often use glass as a as a thing here. If you got something that's bothering you, it's hidden inside your head, and you don't even know you've got this filter that you're looking at life through. And, and then when you start doing one of these sessions that uh, Yvonne's, Yvonne's talking about, and we're both coaches in this work now, um, the, the story work, um, you start to, or you realize, oh, there's actually something in there that I didn't, wasn't aware of. And it just, it comes up in the session. And then you write it down, you breathe, read and breathe, and eventually it becomes something just pinned on the wall over there that you wave to every now and again.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, <laps.
0: laughs> you're, you're like, really wow, I was
1: to. really telling myself some interesting stories, wasn't I?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and what happens when you go through that process is um, you actually create a new relationship to the part of you that was resident within you that you didn't know about. You create a positive relationship to the experience of that particular story which is something from your past almost always Um, and that becomes part of the download but also after you've done that session you go off into your normal life whatever that might be for us at the time and and things start to appear different because you've changed a little bit your relationship to yourself mostly has changed and primarily it's around your identity as well how you see yourself in the world so it's difficult to maybe for some of you listening to this or in viewing this um, to maybe understand what we're talking about here when we say about new downloads and new understandings or awareness, it's because something's being peeled away from insiders and suddenly other things that were hidden, a bit like we were talking earlier about the anxiety sensations overriding what we call our intuition, uh, it's a very similar sort of sensation, life starts to show up differently and you can appear quite different to yourself inside. I know I feel very different inside my body to two years ago. I, I'm not, I'm like, mm. it's a different experience entirely. However, mm. I look and sound very much the same. Right. <laughs> so I just wanted to put that in there, Yvonne, just to give people a bit more perspective maybe than, um, you know, just you emanating, kind of letting us know how it felt for you it may be a little bit discombobulating. However, if you watch the cosmic giggle, that might give you some fun and games. You might have yeah. a
1: bit more understanding. Yeah. <laughs> and well, there are other
0: resources as well, which we'll we'll drop at the end of this in the notes yeah. as well. Um you know
1: it's you know it's on. really you, you, Oh don't apologize. It's totally great. No, this is I love this. Um it's really you touched on on what's really important, you know, to go from that no know, knowing to knowing because we can have a lot of knowledge. What happens when you combine that knowledge with having an experience with embodying a knowing is what I realized was far different than just having a knowledge of something that you read. And that's what I, as I opened up and was expanding and I was getting these messages and things come to me, wild stuff. And it was like, you know, and obviously in my head, like what was happening? What was going on that this was happening? Well, thankfully, because of that knowledge, here's what was really cool about going through what I did, having all those. Sad experiences and then learning this coaching, this particular coaching, having all that knowledge, doing all that research. It was kind of interesting actually because I was going through all that stuff. You know, I was just telling you about in the meantime, I was researching through all that. I was, I was just looking. It was like I had to find answers. I had to find answers and yeah, because I mean, I didn't have to have answers. I chose to have answers, and at the same time, to me, I only had two choices, figure it out or just be done, because that was, you know, the situations I was in a lot. So having, when I started experiencing these downloads and experiencing these feelings, I realized when that first session, I realized I, I had, I knew what was happening. I could feel what was happening. It was actually having the experience of it happening that helped me connect a lot of dots. And then I was like, this is what feeling feels like. Wow. Was I lied to on a really big level? Cause I thought I was feeling great. You know, I thought I knew what love was. I thought I knew what feeling was because based on what everybody else was saying, I was lying to myself. And there's where the toxic positivity comes in that we suppress. We just try so much to convince ourselves that we're good. We're happy. And, and that I'm okay. Cause I'm thinking positive. And then, And then you experience this coaching and it's like, holy shit. And then the more you do it and the more you experience it and the more you let go of more and more of these programs and patterns and belief systems and, you know, thought patterns that you're in that you're just like, holy shit. (laughs) I hadn't even scratched the surface.
0: uh, Absolutely. And And I think the wonderful thing that we should just identify here is, with the patterns and the behaviours that we're all as naturally, naturally occurring patterns and behaviours, by the way, it's not like we go out, not like we're born and we go into it and go, I want to create a pattern that I just don't do all the time. <laughs> right. And uh, I'm going to feel safe doing it. But actually, we do it automatically. And yes, we do have a level of safety around them because they're usually there and they're usually created by to keep us safe. So it's a natural response to events around us and things that happen to us. Um, but this particular part that Yvonne's talking to and relating to here is where we really release the patterns and the behaviours. And what, the, 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 one, the one point I really, why I'm talking myself right now, as opposed to you, Yvonne, is because what's at the, the end of that is the beauty of your pure self without inhibition, without um, restraint, and without any excuse to anybody being required, because you're purely yourself. And deep down, we're all that. And we're, we get patterns, we get behaviors that constrict us. Um, and that's where the real flow of life comes into play more, because you suddenly have this realization that I'm completely free, and I can choose at any moment to be a particular way about anything. And that's the true power in the, the kind of coaching that we have experienced. But it, it's also why I'm doing this podcast. It's also why I'm doing all the other fun stuff in my life. It's how I'm going to stand up and finish this and be proud of myself for conducting this today. Um, being proud for eating good food later. And not proud in the kind of I'm better than you or anybody else, but in right. a sense of loving, my, loving myself, which is something up until 18 months ago, as I say, I, I've never had before because I've now cleared, yeah, I've cleared all the, the pattern of behavior and relationship stuff about my identity and who I am in the world. And it's basically like a blank slate now. And I can literally write, literally write words to create myself on an ongoing basis. Um, And I'm talking over the top a bit of you here, Yvonne. I know it all resonates okay. with you, but I wanted to totally, again, yeah. just clarify a little bit there to, to no, what i love trying it. to talk I love about. It. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Are we nearly up to date now do we think? Are you getting closer to being present day here? Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. And and that's um yeah, I when he started coaching and then he talked about how they started a certification process so so we did a few a couple sessions prior to the certification then literally finished my, you know, finished the coaching you know with the group in the certification right, okay. process because yep. you, you really you know we go through this right we go through this yep. first before yep. we have other people that have clients to that we do it with absolutely yeah. yeah so finished the coaching and obviously did more sessions through the coaching every time more and more it was like oh breathing better slowing down and ultimately getting to where I am now.
0: For contact details of today's guest, as well as my own, please check the show notes. Thank you for listening today. And I have one final request, live your I'm life.